watered-down climate talks, a cop-out, that, and other news this December 14th, 2014. I'm Franny Halperin. And I'm Jamie Sudler. And it's This Week in Water. The momentum from last month's joint U.S.-China deal on carbon emissions faded quickly at the U.N. climate talks in Lima, which concluded early this morning, December 14th. As the conference began, disagreements reopened over who should do what to fight global warming. The goal of the talks, called COP20 for the 20th Conference of the Parties, was to establish each country's commitment in combating global warming at the next UN conference in Paris. But developed and major polluting countries balked at taking responsibility for their share of pollution. For example, a draft agreement did not address the plight of small island nations threatened by rising sea levels caused by large carbon-emitting countries like the US, China, and India. Early Sunday morning, there was slight movement to compromise. The Lima Agreement states the countries have, quote, common but differentiated responsibilities to deal with global warming. Environmental groups have reacted fiercely to the Lima Conference. The World Wildlife Fund called the agreement a half-baked plan to cut emissions. A spokesperson for Friends of the Earth stated that, once again, poor nations were being bullied by the industrialized world into accepting an outcome that leaves many of their citizens facing the consequences of catastrophic climate change. More than 40 million people depend on the water from the Colorado River, and since 1922, the river has been allocated among seven states by an agreement also known as the Compact. Last week, Colorado issued a draft plan that seeks to store more water from the river up to the state's legal allotment under the Compact. In talking about the plan, James Eklund of the Colorado Water Conservation Board said, If anybody thought we were going to roll over and say, Okay, California, you're in a really bad drought. You get to use the water that we're going to use. They're mistaken. Other states are being more diplomatic in response to Eklund's comments. Arizona's Department of Water Resources told the Associated Press that Arizona has the same interests as Colorado, but that his state would not express it as pointedly as Colorado's water leader did. And earlier last week, three states, not including Colorado, signed a new agreement to save a portion of their allotments of the river in Lake Mead to boost the lake's levels. Arizona is committing to save the most, which means many of Arizona's farmers will not get as much water as expected. Cruise ships or ooze ships? According to a new report from the environmental watchdog group Friends of the Earth, cruise ships released over 1 billion gallons of sewage into the oceans in 2014. Federal law states that these ships can legally dump treated wastewater if they're within three nautical miles of a coastline. Beyond that point, the international protocols permit ships to dump as much sewage as they want, with the stipulation that if the sewage is untreated, the ship must be at least 12 nautical miles from the shore. Cruise ships also released 8 billion gallons of gray water, discharged from sinks, showers, swimming pools that often contains the same pollutants as sewage. The annual report card by Friends of the Earth, now in its fifth year, found a steady improvement for cruise lines sailing newer, energy-efficient ships. 
but the report stated that 40% of ships are outfitted with waste treatment technology that's more than 35 years old that allows fecal matter, bacteria, heavy metals, and other contaminants to be disposed of into our oceans. And speaking of sewage, a Seattle startup has a new idea to power your car. A poop-to-pump scenario, if you will. Vitruvian Energy has developed technology that turns biosolids, the dirt-like material left over from sewage treatment plants, into biofuel. Poopaline, as it's become more casually known, is especially promising because it can blend with gasoline and diesel in existing combustion engines, meaning you don't have to develop a specialized biofuel car. And finally this week, for many of us across the U.S., winter is upon us and that means icy roads. The ongoing dilemma is how to keep drivers safe without harming the environment. That problem led the U.S. Department of Transportation to recently establish the Center for Environmentally Sustainable Transportation in Cold Climates. The center is the only one in the U.S. studying, quote, road ecology that looks for green solutions to promote safety. To that end, they're tinkering with beet juice combined with salt because the juice prevents the salt from escaping into the ground. But beet juice is problematic because it has a lot of sugar, which can also be harmful to the environment. So they're looking at other things, pickle brine and tomato juice. The de-icing solutions they're really excited about? Barley residue from vodka distillation. Vodka as a de-icer makes sense for anyone who's ever noticed that vodka never seems to freeze even when you've put a bottle in the freezer. Vodka? Tomato juice? Sounds like the ingredients of a Bloody Mary might be the center's spirited way to keep us safe on our streets this season. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado Waterwise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.